1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
2: chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Two San Diego middle school teachers claim the district and state require they withhold from parents that a child is going by a different name or gender while in class. And according to the lawsuit... The policy violates the teacher's religious beliefs by requiring they use, quote, any pronouns or gender-specific name requested by the student while reverting to the legal name when speaking to the parents. Would you come, my this is the Trevor Carey Show. Did you burn out to the air? On the Valley's Power Talk. Would you come? Now the district, which imposed this rule in February, claims the state law protects the right of transgender students to keep their transgender status private. Disclosing that, without the student's permission, may violate their right to privacy. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy.
1: Well, we've got someone here who's on the front lines of the fight between normal and crazy. John Girardi here from Right to Life of Central California and the John Girardi Show and the O'Brien Medical Clinics of Central California. And I'm joined in studio. He's my Saturday morning on Right to Life radio comrade in, ar- comrade in arms. The one and the only Mr. Jonathan Keller, the CEO of California Family Council. How's it going, Jonathan? Hey, John. It's
0: good. Always good to be here on on the one and only Trevor Carey Show.
1: Absolutely. So Jonathan, as the CEO of California Family Council, a lot of what he does is monitors the craziness that goes on in Sacramento with different, whether it's pro-abortion bills or anti-family bills. And uh, we've got a couple of big things on that front. You know, there is a part of me that's sort of like, I know the whole country's been like up in arms over the Bud Light ad with the Bud Light campaign, whatever, with the the transgender uh, guy, Dylan Dylan Mulvaney, Mulvaney. whatever his name is. Um, I know people have been up in arms over that, but it's a thing where the actual legislation in California that's being rejected or the actual state of affairs in California Is actually far worse than whatever Anheuser-Busch decides to do with its ad campaigns to sell beer. Yes. So maybe you could highlight for us uh, some of the things that are happening, including our, our new favorite state assembly member and a bill of his that got put on ice that, like, just to show... This is the attitude that we're facing up in Sacramento.
0: Absolutely. Well, John, there are several great assembly members up in Sacramento. I know we complain about it a lot. You
1: can count them on one hand.
0: <laughs> Justifiably. I mean, there there are a lot of horrible knuckleheads in Sacramento. A bunch of knuckleheads. But as, you know, Charles Barkley would say. G- Jim Patterson, our our good friend here from the Fresno area, he's in his final term. He's great. Uh, Assemblyman James Gallagher, who you and I know. Yeah, he's Uh, great. Wonderful, father of five, solid, conservative dude up in Yuba City. But one of the new members, the freshman member that came in in November, is uh, Bill Asaley, Assemblyman from Riverside. Mm -hmm. And he is an attorney, uh, was graduate of Chapman University Law School. And he has this very unique distinction, John, in that he is a Lebanese Muslim Republican.
1: Yeah, and and uh more conservative than uh, pretty much anyone else yes. <laughs> that, that we've heard of uh, in the assembly. So, let's talk about his bill that he's introduced to try to bring about some sanity in California public schools as it comes to gender issues. So, let let's w- what is he proposing and what have the Democrats brutally shut down without a hearing.
0: Well, so John, this this goes to the top of the hour thing we just talked about. This cr- the, the craziness that's happening in California schools right now. Literally a a teacher is suing her own school district because she was fired for being forced to call a student by their non-birth gender, their non-birth pronouns. Yeah. yeah. Um, at this point, the craziest thing about that, there's there's another story that just broke, another lawsuit, John, that mm-hmm. literally was just filed yesterday mm-hmm. uh, out of San Diego uh, by our, our friends uh, Chuck, De- Chuck Lamandry and the Freedom of Conscience Defense Fund, basically saying that there was this secret training uh, that teachers were subjected to. And they actually said, um, and in fact, I got to read you this because the the line from this training, this <laughs> leads up to the bill. Yeah, uh, The line from the training uh, said, uh, refusing to address the student by the name and the pronoun consistent with their gender identity would constitute discrimination and harassment under the, the district's policies. Right. So right. literally just if you're a so teacher you, who says, hey, I, I just can't lie and say that you're a Girl, you're you're a boy. You're very clearly a boy. Yeah, you're a boy. Your parents name you. A bo- I,
1: yeah. Well, it, it, so it, this is where this is a big front talking talking lawyer talk here. At a certain point, anti discrimination law and our interpretation of anti discrimination law is applying to sexual orientation, gender identity, stuff like that, is going to come up against freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And at a certain point these two ideas are going to collide where there's going to be people who are going to say, I'm not going to call a biological male, a woman. Right. I'm not going to call a biological female, a man. And because I don't believe it, I believe it's false. And I believe as a condition of my employment as at a public unit, at a public school, you can't force me to do that. This is the government compelling speech, compelling me to say things I, I simply do not believe in as a condition of employment when it doesn't really have much to do with the educational mission. Uh, so th- this, uh, on the other hand, though, people say, well, it's it's this is discriminatory behavior against people on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity. So at a certain point, these two things are going to collide. That's
0: right. And beyond that, the next part of this lawsuit, the it's a multifaceted. The reason these teachers are suing the district. This is the second part. It says the training also prohibited teachers from, quote, Revealing a student's transgender status or gender diverse status to individuals who do not have a legitimate need for the information. Well, okay, John. I mean, of course, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be blabbing it to everybody, you know. If you're, if you don't want to come yeah, here yeah. on power talk and blab it. But then it goes on. Uh, they can't uh, disclose it without the student's consent, regardless of age. Mm-hmm. And noted, the trainee noted that parents or caretakers are not included in the group of people who have a legitimate need for the information. So what you've got here
1: are public schools telling teachers parents don't need to know if their child is now presenting as a different gender. Yep. And this is leading to some kind of bizarre outcomes where even even down to the level of like cooking the books, where you have certain kinds of records indicating sex of a child being one thing and certain kinds of records indicate... So maybe explain that whole phenomenon, the the cooking the books sort of phenomenon of this. Yeah. Well, literally
0: because of this, and this training that is coming out here of the San Diego area, uh, that is not... (laughs) Unfortunately, it is not an outlier. No. We are hearing more and more stories... They're doing that in
1: San Diego, they're doing that in LA, they're doing that in
0: San Francisco. Yeah. And I don't know this for sure, John, but... Could be I, happening,
1: Fresno I, Unified, Clovis Unified. I, I,
0: I don't want to throw any of our good friends that work for Fresno Unified under the bus, but let's just say that I, I would not be incredibly shocked if there are trainings that are at least being considered along these lines. And it's something...
1: Yeah. Well, if, it, if it's happening in one school district, it's probably. Yeah. Uh, the idea is probably being shared with other school districts. And I will, I will just say this, I'm, I'm not an attorney,
0: but I know quite a few good attorneys. Um, and if any of you are listening to this uh, show, you're driving home from school on a Friday afternoon, and you are a school administrator administrator, maybe you're a superintendent, maybe you're just a lowly teacher, if you've been um, the uh, recipient of one of these trainings, um, go to our website, californiafamily.org. <laughs> if you'd like to be a whistleblower, uh, we would love to connect you with attorneys uh, that can would be very interested to hear from you on this regard. Because, John, essentially what they're doing, it's not just saying, well, you can't affirmatively go out and pick up the phone and call the parents. They're literally talking about, in some cases, as you said, maintaining two separate sets of records for these students. One that is shared with the parents in a parent teacher conference. Oh, you know, this is your child's name. You know, oh, this is little, you know, Billy Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy, uh, he is a great uh, He's athlete. He's a great student. He's, He's a great doing student. fine. And then we're so proud of him. But then when you're talking internally, Within the school district, within the classroom setting, within school counselors. When you're just
1: talking to Billy with his parents
0: not around. Billy is now all of a sudden... Wilhelmina. You know, yes. Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina Jones. And, oh, she is allowed to access the women's... Bathroom. Bathrooms. She she is potentially allowed to maybe even play or use uh, you know, women's sports, sports facilities. Yep, And the idea that you would be not just it's not a lie of omission, but you are actively deceiving and and building an entire fake dossier on this child that Mm -hmm. you're going to share with their parents. And literally the parents in this case may be the last to know. So what was Assemblymember Asaley trying to do? So this is the craziness. This bill he introduced, AB 1314. Super simple, John, but I mean, incredibly controversial. This bill would have dramatically and shockingly required uh, that that schools don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that they basically, within 72 hours of when a child comes to their teacher and says, hey, I've decided that I'm going to start identifying and presenting as the opposite sex or the opposite gender. I'm going to be, in the language they use, gender diverse or <laughs> gender nonconforming sure. or yada, yada, yada. Uh, you would basically tell the school, look, you can't sit on this and hide and lie and basically keep them in the dark within 72 hours, within three days. You just have to call the parents and say, hey, I need to let you know that from now on, your child is going to be going by this name and pronouns on school grounds. Now, John, it's not consent. Yeah. This is literally just notification. Just letting them know. If the parents said, well, I don't want you to do that. I don't want my kids... There was an original version of the bill that was, well, you can't, you you have to call the child by the name that the parents legally put on yeah, the document. on the paper, yeah. You can't just pick whatever the heck name the child wants. Yeah. That was amended out of the bill before it was ever introduced. So literally, this is just notification. It's, it's yeah. the lowest possible bar. Yeah.
1: This, this is a good thing this wasn't in place uh, when my little brother uh, was growing up. Basically, he he loved Notre Dame quarterback Brady Quinn so much <laughs> that he insisted that we call him Brady in spite of the fact that his name is Joseph. But anyway, so yeah. it's a good thing this wasn't in play. Uh, now, thankfully, uh, Joe was not uh, wanting to be called, you know, uh, Josephina or anything like right. that. But anyway, so so it's it's actively lying. Yes. It's school districts lying to the parents faces keeping information from them as if the parent has no right to know. And this is, this is the kind of legislation, Hey, just let the parents know about it. When you're doing this, that gets squashed immediately in committee in the California legislature.
0: And when we say squashed, John, there's a new policy that's been instituted in the legislature for the last about y- I think year, I think they just put it in place last year. Mm-hmm. And for the first 9 years that I was working for California Family Council this is my 10th year. One thing that we could rely on. We knew that there's about 2000 bills that get introduced every year. Most of them are crazy. And the really good ones from our friends like Assemblyman Patterson or yeah, yeah. Gallagher, we knew, look, there's there's kind of a snowball's chance these are going to pass, but at least they're going to get a hearing. Yeah. But in this case, I'll, I'll wait till after the break, John. You yeah. have got to hear what Assemblyman Muratsuchi said. Uh, the chair of the education committee when he said nope I'm not even giving
1: this a hearing not even giving it a hearing alright when we come back we'll hear about basically how the California legislature doesn't even want to debate this stuff anymore and talk about this idea of hey should kids be able to consent to stuff like this? They're kids that is next this is John Girardi filling in for Trevor Carey on the Valley's Power Talk
2: The Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. You're listening to the Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk.
1: We are discussing the California State Legislature, and who better to discuss it with than my good buddy Jonathan Keller from California Family Council. So Jonathan has been telling us about this horrible situation in certain California school districts where basically you've got people just lying to parents where they've got, you know, one sort of set of records that they share with parents and parent teacher conferences. Oh yes, your son, Billy. Oh yes, Billy's doing, he's doing great. Billy's doing wonderful. And then internally within the school among administrators in the classroom, Allowing Billy to go by his new preferred gender identity of Wilhelmina or whatever. And that's that's just how they go by it. So deliberately keeping these things from parents. And there are some school districts in California that are doing this. Assemblymember Bill Asaley tried to introduce legislation, AB 1314, to stop it. And what did the Democrats do?
0: All right, John. So what we were saying last segment, it used to be every single bill automatically. And I'd have at least one hearing. Right. And they could shut you down, They could. everybody could vote against it, but at least the Republican member who was going to get shot down had a chance to make their case. Right. They got people to come in and testify. Well, in this case, because of this new rule, now it is up to the committee chair. And that's why we've seen the last couple of weeks all the controversy over the fentanyl bills, mm-hmm. because the Reggie Jones Sawyer, the chair of that committee in public oh, safety— yes. He basically has been like, well, uh, we might do the uh, We're just uh, snuck something him out of here. in the yeah. I mean, he basically had been trying to push it off to the point he was so egregious that even moderate Democrats came around and joined Republicans and said, "This is ridiculous. We've got an epidemic of fentanyl. You got to ho- hold a hearing." Yeah. So unfortunately, there are no such moderate Democrats on this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Assemblyman Al Murat-Suchi from Torrance, California. He is the chair of the Assembly Education Committee. And on April 10th, he announced that he will not even allow AB uh, 1314 to have a hearing, quote, not only because the bill is proposing bad policy, but also because a hearing would potentially provide a forum for increasingly hateful
1: rhetoric targeting
0: LGBTQ youth.
1: Increasingly hateful rhetoric targeting. So we we don't... All this bill says is, hey... If a kid is identifying as transgender at school, the school just has to kind of let the parents know. Right. It's not even asking them for permission from the parents to call this kid by a different name, use different pronouns. All we're saying is let the parents know. And this is deemed just too much. And, And this raises this question. There's so many areas of American law where we don't let kids do stuff. Mm-hmm. And this has been the case in America, in England, in common law countries. for Kids don't, and probably in civil, not in common law countries too. Uh, kids don't sign contracts. When Kobe Bryant got drafted into the NBA, he wasn't yet 18. His first contract with the Lakers, his parents actually signed it for him. Because he wasn't 18 yet. Kids can't sign contracts. Kids... In California can't get married without their parents' consent. Kids in California, minors in California can't join the military without their parents' consent. Kids can't go to tanning salons in mm-hmm. California. Kids can't smoke cigarettes. Kids can't vote. Kids can't drink. And I have to point out, John, those those last four ones you said
0: tanning salons, drinking, smoking. F- smoking. You can't do those with parental consent. No. 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 Like exactly. you can't be like, oh, it's all cool. I'm I I've got a forty here and yeah. my, my parents
1: said it was fine. Yeah. And meanwhile the kinds of things that the left has just kind of decided and just kind of shoehorned in to California law as things where not only can kids decide on, decide them, but our default posture is basically that parental involvement or knowledge of this is going to be all things considered. Our default posture is that parental involvement is harmful. And so, the, therefore, kids can keep it secret from their parents legally. Between abortion, between transgender identification, transgender hormonal treatments, all this stuff, reproductive health care, there's this whole swath of stuff where our default posture is parents shouldn't know. We and and, and that's the thing, like. I can maybe acknowledge there are some circumstances where a child might be in a vulnerable position, maybe with abusive parents or something, where maybe the parents shouldn't know about something happening with reproductive health, like that the kid's pregnant or or, or something. Maybe if there's a threat. But maybe, just maybe, we structure the law such that In those circumstances, we don't tell parents. But the default is that you tell the parents. Right. What should be the default? Is the default that parents in these situations are harmful or that they're helpful? I think, and call me crazy, but I think if kids are too dumb to sign contracts, smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, vote, join the military without their parents' permission—
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing
0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary.
1: Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Probably not quite smart enough to decide they're gonna go by a whole complete different gender identity. Yeah. But they're, they're not smart enough maybe to have a surgical abortion. I don't know. Just my crazy thought that 14, 15, like, I know how stupid I was when I was 14, 15, 16. The idea that my parents wouldn't have had some helpful advice for me, (laughs) that that they should have been kept in the dark if I was considering something like this. It's it's astonishing how stupid this default posture is in California law. It absolutely is. And the the insanity here, again, John, is...
0: I I don't know. Again, I will will say as a parent, is it true in a state of 40 million people that there are possibly some children who are struggling with gender dysphoria who Mm -hmm. have parents who are less than supportive? Yes.
1: Possibly. I mean, statistically,
0: I I, I would have to say... There's got to be at least some. There are some kids over here at the Venn diagram. There are a bunch of kids struggling with gender dysphoria. There are a bunch of kids that have parents that are... Less than supportive in general, possibly and, even and abusive. Sure, there there is an the overlap. Probably overlap. My question is, if you're looking at this as an issue of Venn diagrams, as our vice president, former state senator from California, Kamala Harris, loves to talk about mm-hmm. Venn Venn diagrams. Venn diagrams. Um, shouldn't maybe the bigger issue here be that if if there are abusive parents, that kids are literally so afraid of their parents that they're like, I want the school to create a complete fiction and keep my parents completely in the dark, maybe perhaps there should be, as you said, the, the default should be, no, if there is a abuse situation, let's work to get this child counseling. Yeah, let's well, work yeah. to get this child help to work things through with their yeah, parents, yeah. not just let's lie to every single parent of the other circle.
1: Right, Well, and that's the thing. If a parent is actually so abusive that you're fearing that telling them something like, well, then then let's actually initiate legitimate like whatever proceedings. Sure. But obviously the reason is not that. Right. It's not that these parents are actually abusive. It's not that these parents are actually a, some active threat to their own children that CPS needs to be brought in. It's that these parents are probably Christian or these parents have the old fangled morality of like five minutes ago to think, no, maybe my kid is just confused and my girl is not a boy. And I think that's really what this is, is they they think they know better for their kid than the parents do. They utterly reject the morality of these parents. That's actually, I think, what's happening. All right, we'll dig in more. Jonathan and I are going to talk, we're going to talk some political... Just some political uh, shoot in the breeze about Gavin Newsom and all about, about all kinds of stuff. That is next. John Girardi filling in for Trevor Carey on the Valley's Power Talk. The
2: Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. The Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk.
1: Here with Jonathan Keller from California Family Council. Thank you so much for listening to the Trevor Carey Show with us today. By the way, after uh, the five o'clock hour is done, six o'clock is the John Girardi Show. So if you're enjoying uh, this uh, hour of radio, stay tuned. Four straight hours of John Girardi Show here on Power Talk. Okay, Jonathan, I, I keep having these conversations with different people about Gavin Newsom. It's kind of the mystery man of the moment. What's this guy gonna do? Is he gonna run for president? Is he gonna not run for president? Is he gonna run for president in 2028? It, it it seems as though he isn't very interested in being the governor of California. Like it seems like he's just kinda hanging out, and then he goes to Florida, and then he, you know, he goes to Texas and he gripes about Ron DeSantis and he gripes about Greg Abbott. So what's this guy doing? Do, do you have a, a grand theory? Because my grand theory is I think he's just hanging out until he can run for president in 2028. In the meantime, he's basically he's he's an MSNBC governor. He yes. basically does stuff that makes his group of about 30 like ultra rich donors who like watching MSNBC and railing at Republicans. He He's basically just doing stuff to make them happy.
0: I think that is largely true. I think he's probably a little bit bored because he was hoping somehow, maybe, like I think a lot of people expected, that Biden would be so damaged by the first four years and the disaster that it's been in a lot of ways, that he would be able to ride in as this white knight in shining armor and save the Democratic Party. Oh, look, you know, I here I've been attacking Gavin uh, uh, Governor DeSantis, I've been attacking Uh, the governor of Texas, I'm going to be able to write it. And I think there was, other than the fact that he himself was reelected, I think November 2018 was a, or November 2022, excuse me, was a horrible month for Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Right. Because the Democrats picked up seats in the Senate. Right. And... The margin was super narrow in the House and Biden basically was able to do a victory lap. Yeah, and then, Biden, tr-
1: Biden looked really good coming out of the 2022 election. And yeah. then Trump announced for
0: president as well, which mm-hmm. meant that uh, basically if if Trump had not announced for whatever reason mm-hmm. and Biden looked really damaged and oh, look, Ron DeSantis is ascendant. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to have a new fresh face to combat this rising tide. Yeah. Then the push for Newsom becomes more more clear. And now he kind of is in this weird limbo where he's he's a lame duck. He can't run for governor again. No. He doesn't really want to run for
1: senate, and, and I mean he can't. I mean doesn't he doesn't want to I run. Mean, he could appoint himself if Dianne Feinstein could. dies between now and twenty twenty four, and doesn't or doesn't you know, or quits or something. But you I
0: know? but I think if you look at what Newsom has done, he went from being the mayor of San Francisco to the lieutenant governor to the governor, he he never ran for Senate before. He never no. ran for Congress. He never ran for He kind of had all this stuff sort of handed to him. And, and it's always been executive stuff. Yeah. He, for the last, you know, four years <laughs> as governor, he, eight years as lieutenant governor, and then what was it? I think at least four years as... Uh, I think it was, it was a, a weird... It was like seven years he was mayor of San Francisco. So... I mean, you put that all together. That is basically, this is 20 years. The last 20 years of his career, he has been a... An executive. An executive. Sure. And and John, I will just say, you know, you and I both, even though we answer to boards of directors, we are, are executives in our positions. Yeah. I will say it would be kind of hard, I think now, after 10 years working at CFC, if someone said, hey, You're I would gonna... like you to come and be one of 100 people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Working yeah. at you, you will have 100 peers. You will have no authority or power over them at all. Yeah, you're, and just, you're just one guy in the crowd. You, literally, any one of your peers can cancel out your vote on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be kind of a hard sell. So yeah. I, so I think he's kind of in this weird limbo where he, he really would like to be president. But John, this is a one of the media reporters, Ashley Zavala from the mm-hmm. Capitol Press Corps in Sacramento. She said, new, Governor Newsom's campaign spokesman confirms the governor is heading to Washington, D.C. on Thursday mm-hmm. to help fundraise for President Biden's reelection campaign. Newsom returns to California on Saturday. So he's kind of being the good soldier. Yeah, he's going and putting he on a brave face. all the right things to kind of be the loyal so- soldier with Biden. But to your point, John, this is another Capitol Press Corps person, Emily Hoven. She retweeted this and she said, Newsom really hasn't spent a lot of time in California this month, has he? Red State Tour from March 31st to April 5th, then family vacation in the Caribbean from <laughs> April 6th to 13th. Well, as one does. Then off to DC tomorrow through Saturday, despite fears that the Central Valley is about to flood.
1: Right, right. Well, he spent some. He he walked through, uh, you know, the Tulare Lake region. With oh, his, you know, it's all good. Four thousand dollar boots and uh, yeah. you know, three thousand dollar sunglasses. So you know, he he did his part. Yeah, I, I, I think I think. I agree with all your analysis. He is in this sort of weird limbo. He clearly is kind of bored being here in California. I mean, I, you could even see that down to the level of like, he didn't do a state of the state speech. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. why bother? Why bother? Like like, who cares? I'm just gonna give a couple. I'm just gonna hand a written thing to the legislature. Do it George um, Washington style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I, I just he just seems it's gonna be four years of senioritis. Like the thing where high school seniors right now, like at this point right now, you know, a month out from graduation, they're all probably like. Uh, do we even have to go to class like I know I'm gonna graduate uh, they've already got they've already got accepted to college like what what are you even doing I, I feel like that's what's happening with Gavin Newsom only his senioritis tour is going to be like three and a half years long or four years long rather than just you know one semester long so here's my thought I, I think he's maybe waiting to see if the old man bows out. And I think he's very confident he can beat out Kamala Harris, but I'm not so sure. Here's my, I'm going to stick up for Kamala Harris. You never hear that on the Trevor (laughs) Terry show. You never hear that on the John Girardi show even stick up for Kamala Harris in this respect. Kamala Harris may be really unlikable and she may be a terrible orator and she may not be very smart. She may not be a very good public speaker. I am not convinced that Gavin Newsom is better than her in any of those respects. I think he's marginally better at public speaking. I don't know. Here's the thing. How many times, Jonathan, can you say you've listened to a full speech by Gavin Newsom? Like think a, about Like that. a speech speech. Like so, a speech so, so or, I, a, or a long press conference? Or I, I
0: will say, during COVID, at the beginning, he, did have more of, yeah. he had a lot more press conference That's reps true. that That's he was true. doing. Well, I. And and I did watch some of those and he did he seemed at least not
1: um imminently uh, like, despisable. Well, here's my thing. California statewide politics is governed by television ads. Who can afford the most television ad spending? You're not winning based on debates. I think when you put Gavin Newsom on a debate stage up against Kamala Harris, we're gonna find out pretty quickly. They are both equally unlikable. They well, are both well, that equally I agree stupid. With. <laughs> they, they are both equally just, they've been sheltered by the California political process where you don't actually have to be out in front of people talking all that much. Really, all you need to do is hide behind all of your television ads that your super rich donors get for you. And Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom's donors are pretty much all the same people. It's all the Willie Brown magic circle. Well, we'll dig more into this after the break. This is John Girardi filling in for Trevor Carey here on the Valley's Power Talk.
2: The Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. You're listening to the Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk.
1: As we wrap up Today's Trevor Carey Show, and thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to my buddy, Jonathan Keller, for being on the show. Thanks to Denise Gary Pandel, who's running for Senate in California, for being on the show. Uh, the, the big kind of news today, Jonathan, and just as we wrap up, get our reactions to it, is this interview that Justice Alito did, where he just lets it rip. And he's basically going on and on about, like, he, he's saying that he thinks he knows who leaked the Supreme Court, his draft opinion in the Dobbs case, uh, which he says he doesn't have enough evidence to actually name a name, but he's pretty sure he knows who did it, which I find, like, astonishing.
0: I just have to say, saying, I have a pretty good idea
1: who leaked it, is like such a, uh That's so I, threatening. I dare say, <laughs> an Italian thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's I like, have a pretty good idea. Uh, I'm imagining him sitting back with a cat on his lap, like Marlon Brando, and scratching his jaw. L-
0: literally, it's the New yeah. York Times... The headline, it says, Alito says he has, quote, pretty good idea. I got a pretty good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, and, and he's made the point, he makes the point in the interview that whoever leaked it made them targets for assassination. Yep. Which is true. A guy got arrested at Brett Kavanaugh's house and charged with attempted murder. He was there with a bunch of stuff to, like, obviously, like, kidnapping gear. Yep was going to kill Brett Kavanaugh. And he admitted after he was arrested, he said, yeah, I came here to because I wanted to make sure Roe v. Wade wouldn't get overturned. So I thought I'd come and I'd I'd kill Brett Kavanaugh and stop him from overturning Roe v. Wade. And Kavanaugh proceeded to be one of the decisive five votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, So, I I, I mean, I've found the whole idea that Merrick Garland keeps letting protesters hang out outside of Supreme Court justices' homes when it, one—it's actually a violation of federal law. Yeah, like when one, very clearly. Yeah, yeah it, when one, it's it's there's a very clear federal statute on the books saying you're not allowed to protest outside Supreme Court justices' house, and, and it makes sense. Like, Supreme Court justices are supposed to be immune from lobbying efforts. Uh, they're supposed to be immune from the whims of politics. They're not supposed to be subject to that kind of thing. So you should not do that, uh, and you know the you should not do that. So basically, to indicate so so for for the Justice Department to just say, oh no, well, as long as they're being peaceful, like no. The statute doesn't have anything to do with being peaceful or not. You're not supposed to lobby outside of Supreme Court Justice's house. You're not supposed to... And by the way, just for any of you listening, if you had people protesting outside your house, just in your neighborhood, regularly, since we're talking about the Godfather... <gasps> That's kind of, right. He, we, at the one point in Godfather 2, uh, where Michael gets really mad and he says, In my home! <laughs> Where my wife sleeps, where my children play with their toys. (laughs) Yeah. Al Pacino. Pacino, That's a a pretty good Al Pacino. It was like the greatest injustice ever that Al Pacino didn't win uh, win the Oscar for The Godfather Part 2. Anyway, uh, the fact that you're having these protests outside your house is inherently intimidating. Especially given that Justice Barrett has minor children. And you've got these protesters out there all the time. You had one protester who tried to kill one of the Supreme Court justices. And and frankly, it's made me think, like, the Supreme Court's decision to leave in place all the regulations for the abortion pill, when there were all of these liberal activists furious at the idea that the abortion pills, you know, approval would be struck down. How can we not look at the Supreme Court keeping the abortion pill on the market and not think, Maybe they're being threatened by these protesters who keep hanging out outside their house. Maybe it's having an effect. If they rule the wrong way, so to speak, it will directly lead to an increase of protesters at their house. It's like a direct like the fact that Merrick Garland somehow hoodwinked all these Republicans into thinking he was going to be this super moderate attorney general. And he's been anything but. By the he's book. Been, he's he's been he's been the most he, he has been as big a partisan hack, as big an extremist, an enabler of extreme policies at DOJ as you could have possibly imagined. And I think Alito is just pointing out like th- this is ridiculous that you know I even talked about this earlier on the show. Like the string of stories coming out to try to delegitimize the court, like all these stories alleging that Clarence Thomas has engaged in some sort of improper influence peddling, when he, which he absolutely has not done. Uh, all these stories that John Roberts's wife uh, is is all—it's it's so inappropriate that she's a successful attorney who's making a million bucks a year as a recruiter for other law firms. Um, again, preposterous. Justice Roberts's wife is allowed to work. This is all setting stuff up for the left wants to intimidate the current majority on the Supreme Court. And I think they also want to delegitimize them. They want to delegitimize them so that someday in the future, when they have a Democrat president and a Democrat House and a solidly Democrat Senate, they can abolish the filibuster rule and vote to pack the court. Yep, I think that's what is happening here. Well, obviously,
0: these justices, these Republican justices are all corrupt. So we got to offset it by adding five new ones that
1: are uh, moderate and yeah, sensible. Yeah, we just gotta bring balance to the court. We just, you know, just like how Darth Vader brought balance yeah, to the force by yeah. killing all the other Jedi except himself. Yeah, we need to bring balance because, and and they're gonna pay, paint it as Gorsuch is illegitimate because of how Republicans stonewalled Merrick Garland. Kavanaugh is illegitimate because he was a rapist. Amy Coney Barrett's illegitimate because they rushed her through at the last minute. All three of them are illegitimate because Donald Trump won with a major- with a minority of the popular vote. And because Russia put him in office. So that's what's happening. It's a full-scale left-wing attack on the Supreme Court. All right, when we return, the John Girardi Show is up next. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Trevor, for letting me fill in. Good night.
2: With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.